0: Forget Real Indie Filmcast with Jeffrey Michael Bays and Forrest Day Jr. Welcome to the show, this is uh, Jeffrey and uh, joining me is Forrest. And, uh, you know, I have in front of me a list of every episode that we have done so far on the podcast. And we've done quite a bit so far. We've done, uh, we've had uh, Fran Jago, uh, Turning Your Phone Into a Film Studio. We've had uh, William Dickerson, Depression and Filmmaking. Uh, yep. Surviving on a changing YouTube with Sean Cannell. Um, trying to get Sean Cannell back on the show. He's got a book out. Uh, uh, if you are um, you know interested in in YouTube and in becoming a YouTube uh, star, yeah, <laughs> um, he's got a book.
1: Sensation. yeah,
0: he's got a book about how to do that. Like tips on uh, you know making a popular channel. So that's, that's actually a book I. Should probably look at.
1: <laughs> yeah, we well, we'll have to get them on and and ask for a signed copy. I yeah. love signed copies. Anytime I get books, I ask for signed copies, and a lot of people are like, "How do I sign your Kindle version?" It's like, I don't want a Kindle version. I want a paper book.
0: I yes, like, yeah. Fl- I like paper, the pages. Paper is coming back.
1: So. I'm an old guy. It's never left me. That's. <laughs> 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 I'm older than you. I've been reading books since they were scrolls.
0: <laughs> That's your right. So on the show today is Mara Lesman, and she's going to be talking about star attachments. Um, now this is an interview that I've been looking forward to for quite some time because uh, she's a producer. She's uh, she produces a lot of indie films.
1: Mar- Mara's been on our Rolling Tape show. Our, yes. When, yeah. Which is you and I, of course. Uh, you were the you're the mad genius editor behind it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, very mad. Yeah. Very very so mad. By the time I've, I
0: finish, I'm extremely mad.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know it. Why is Forrest keep messing up? Now exactly. I got to edit this out.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, actually, she was uh, one of her interviews was on episode three of this podcast. So if you uh, want to listen to um, her advice for women in film, but uh, today she's going to be talking about star attachments and her films um, that actually have some stars. Now, you might not recognize the names uh, Richard Kind and Paul Servino. But We're both Richard Kind,
1: room. everybody knows Richard Kind. I, I don't say I shouldn't say everybody knows him, but if you saw him, you'd like, yeah. oh, that's you know his him. face. That's, yeah, he's a character actor that you see in tons of things. You just probably don't know his name.
0: Joining us is Mara Lesman. Uh, she's an indie producer and a screenwriter, based in New Jersey. Is that right, Mara?
2: That is absolutely correct.
0: And she's also a script consultant and a playwright. Uh, Before we get into this, we want to talk about star attachments today. But I want to talk about what you, the films that you've produced so far Detours and Surviving Family. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about those films?
2: Sure. Um, Surviving Family was my first feature and it's a drama about a young woman from a very dysfunctional family who shows up on her father's doorstep after having been away for two years and she is planning on getting married in just five days and she's got her fiance with her uh, who none of the family has ever met. And it's a story about alcoholism mental illness suicide all those light things but also about love and it's got a good dose of comedy and it's about really learning how to go forward when life is uh, not everything you thought it was going to be it's uh, one of the great things about that movie is the guy who plays her fiancé is Billy Magnuson who has gone on to do a great deal of uh, both indie movies and series recently and he's an outstanding actor so he's a great uh, person to watch in that movie the second feature that I did is called Detours and that's a lot lighter it's a father-daughter road trip comedy and it's about um, a guy who lost his wife, well this doesn't sound so light but it really <laughs> is, was <laughs> wife Died two years ago, and his adult daughter is going um, through a divorce. But she's just gotten a new job in Florida, and she talks her dad into a road trip to drive from New Jersey down to Florida, with the plan that at the end of the trip they're going to scatter their scatter the mom's ashes. Uh, in the Atlantic Ocean in Florida, which is where they had always talked about retiring. Uh, but it, it's a classic road trip comedy in the sense that it really looks at all the fun people who they meet along the way, and really the idea that life is as much about the journey as it is about the destination.
0: And both are great films, by the way, and uh, they're both on Amazon Prime. right That's now. correct, Yes. Now, did you decide right away that you were going to produce these films or did you try to get somebody else to produce them? How did you decide to pr- produce these scripts?
2: I tried a little bit to get somebody else to produce them, but I have a lot of friends in the who are actors and writers and directors and producers. And the thing that I knew kind of going into it was that. It's it's a long, hard road to hoe. Um, and I kind of made the decision pretty early on that this was something that I wanted to do, that this I wanted to make these stories very personal and to make them my own. And uh, I decided that I wanted them to do them myself. But it was also clearly going to be uh, low-budget productions in order to do that. So I, I kind of dabbled my toe a little bit in the... Uh, you know, selling the script, getting someone else to produce to produce it for me waters, but pretty much decided quickly that I wanted to take control of this. I, it, but keep in mind, I had also produced a number of uh, short films before that, so I wasn't, even though I will say with 100% certainty that nobody knows what it's like to produce a feature before they actually do it, but I did at least have the illusion that I knew what I was doing.
0: And uh, the results speak for themselves.
2: I, you know, it, it, it worked. It worked. I'm Mm -hmm. very, very, I'm very proud of both movies and I'm very happy with how they came out. And one thing that I, I would just say is I spent 35 years working in the finance industry and a lot of the skills that I developed there over the years were fairly directly transferable, both in terms of. The budgeting is the obvious thing, but what's less obvious is just the idea of organizing a team to be able to work together and uh, figuring out what has to be done and the timeline for getting things done and also to be able to manage people and also to fire people when you have to. And these are things that I had developed in the business world, and many of them were directly transferable to producing a movie.
1: Now we're talking about star attachments and how do you fill the other roles? How do you um, audition for those for the, I don't want to say smaller or lesser roles, but um, the roles that aren't star attachment, I'll say.
2: Um, I'm a big believer in getting a good casting director and there are casting directors certainly in New York and I can't speak as much for Los Angeles but there are plenty who specialize in indie movies that are not you know five million 10 million 20 million dollar movies if you can get a casting director, to work with you on that, that is hugely important because they know everybody. Um, And they reach out to the agents and they've been casting these actors for 20 or 30 years Mm -hmm. and they can pick up the phone and get you the people that you need. Uh, On both movies, I worked with a woman named Caroline Sinclair who is absolutely terrific and she's been doing this for a long time. And One of the things that I always... Remember, with Caroline, is that you know, surviving family is multi generational in the in the current time, but it also goes back multiple generations. So we Mm -hmm. needed to cast, um, you know, people when they're adults and the same character as a child. We needed to cast that person's parent and grandparent, and. We needed cousins. So to watch her put all of these headshots together once we landed the main characters and then figure out how to fill everybody in so that they were believable mm-hmm. as an extended family was a wonderful thing to watch. Beyond that, though, you want to go with as You want to work on your connections and your networking. Uh, Caroline did basically all of the casting for us on Surviving Family. But when we got to detours, um, Tara Westwood, who, as I mentioned, plays the lead character there and was also a producer, she is an, um, an indie film actress and television actress who has done an amazing job of networking and developing contacts in New York over her years in the business. And she picked up the phone and called a lot of people and she was able to just say, Hey, we've got this great script. I'll send us, you know, would you like to be in it? Here's the role I'm thinking of you for. And so just having someone who knows, I swear half the actors in New York will really make it easier. And she, by the way, is the one who got us Richard kind, who is certainly, you know, a very well-known actor and an immediately recognizable actor. And she knew him and she picked up the phone and called, him and he said oh sure I'd love to do
1: it <laughs> there you go um,
2: <laughs> when, when you're
1: now I want I, I still like I'm on this star attachment thing I love what I love what you said about um, finding somebody who who uh, is up and coming how how do you do that how do you how do you know somebody's up and coming
2: well, that that really comes back to the casting director to okay. a large extent, and that's what you're what you're paying them for is first is certainly to fill in the supporting roles and the small roles who are extraordinarily important. And I would never minimize them. And that's one of the things that I'm very proud of in both movies is that our entire cast is excellent. Top notch. Um, yeah. Yeah it really is and Caroline and my husband Carlo Fioreletta who is has a small role in Surviving Family and plays the the lead role of the dad in Detours Carlo worked with Caroline for I think 6 weeks auditioning I think every actor in New York for Surviving Family yeah. um so that was a that was a huge that was a huge thing but um you know the casting director a good one has a good sense of people who kind of have it, it, you know, that, that spark. And there's no guarantee. They will tell you if they're being honest with you, they can't guarantee anything, but you know, they've been seeing hundreds and thousands of people and they have a good feel for who has at least the potential for being something special. Um, and When we were casting Surviving Family, Billy Magnuson, who now is, you know, really, really kind of coming into his own and I truly think is going to be a major leading actor for years to come, was just kind of coming up. And Caroline had cast him in several other things, and she liked the idea of him for the lead guy and she reached out to his agent and Billy happened to be in LA at the time and we were in New York and Billy asked if he could send an audition tape. Mm-hmm. We said sure and we got the tape and as it happens we had already offered the role to somebody else.
0: Oh boy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we got this tape and Carlo, my husband, who was working on the casting and Caroline and I all said, that's the guy. Yeah, that's the guy we want. There is no doubt, you know, and he was very interested. He said, you know, he called he knew Caroline. He called her. He said, look, I'm in L.A. I'll be back in the city in a week. I'd love to come in and talk to everybody in person. I'm really interested Well, the first thing we had to do was figure out what to do about the guy who we'd already offered the role to, who was perfectly fine, but, you know, so what Caroline ended up doing was spending the next week telling the guy's agent well you know this is going to be a really tough shoot you know it's going to be really tiring and you know i'm not sure this is the best we'd love to have him mm-hmm. but you know we'll certainly understand if he feels that this is not up to his his level of where he is these days and sure enough six days later he said he'd pass and <laughs> within five minutes
1: he really the role I hope he's not listening to this now.
2: <laughs> I, I, I never, and this—it's nothing against the guy, and I never mentioned his name. And he's had a solid career, and there's nothing against him. But once we saw Billy's audition tape, we knew that he was the guy we wanted. Right, right. And we, you know, and it was—it's—it one of those things. Yeah, you know, and Caroline, the casting director, said exactly the same thing. It, we saw him read the lines, and it was like that's the guy. Mm hmm. But, you know, even then, it's no guarantee that that person is going to have any success. You know, he was kind of just, you know, he I think he had just shot um, a movie called Damsels in Distress, which was, you know, kind of a step up, you know, yep. a kind of level indie. And right after he did Surviving Family, he ended up getting cast in the new play new then vanya and sonia and masha and spike in which he originated the role of spike and he ended up getting nominated for a tony award um and you know that was kind of the point where he was just taking off but it's it's a crapshoot you know honestly it's a crapshoot no matter what i do think though that a really good casting director is enormous if you can find a way to to make room in the budget at least for casting your your lead roles Mm -hmm. um you know people may say well i can't afford to hire a casting director but even if you just figure out the three or four biggest roles the ones that are most important and use a pro for that that i think is going to give you a huge leap forward but uh, let me back it up for one second and just say before you get to that point you better make sure your script is as good as it can possibly be Um, because the first thing that the casting director is going to do is want to read your script and see if this is something that she can honestly go to agents and actors and say, Hey, I got a good project for you. Um, because he or she doesn't want to be repping something that they don't believe in. Mm -hmm. So before you even get to the casting director, you better make sure you've got it every bit as good as, as is possible. And I strongly encourage people to reach outside of their own immediate circle. And, and I've always done this and get some people, get some other people to read it and give them feedback because we as writers can get so inside our own head that we can't see what the flaws are because it's, it's so much our own story that we, we can't get any objectivity.
1: Hold that thought. We're going to just take a quick break here and we'll get right back to the interview.
0: Yeah, we've got so much more to do. We've got so much more to talk about. Uh, I want to ask her about um, the entertainment lawyer because she says that uh, that's that's the trick. That's Mm -hmm. the trick to getting a star attached. And we're going to find out what she means by that. one thing alfred hitchcock was really good at creating suspense with a camera for the last couple of years i've been teaching hitchcock suspense techniques at festivals like buffalo st louis palm springs los angeles filmmakers are learning easy tricks for building suspense that are so easy to implement now there's a way for you to get access in my new book suspense with a camera it's available in bookstores now and don't miss our free docuseries on youtube called hitch 20. This goes along really well with our uh, interview with uh, Diane Bell. Mm-hmm. It a does. Couple of weeks Indeed. ago. Indeed.
1: Indeed. Yes, I was thinking that as we're as we're listening to Mara talk, I'm thinking, man, Diane Bell and her, they got a,
0: they need to meet. Yeah, maybe we can uh, have them on the show together sometime. Back to Mara Lessman. Uh, we're talking about star attachments now. Here's a question: So, once you have your script ready to go, what else do you need to have in place before you start reaching out and contacting these folks? <laughs>
2: I'll tell you, if you can, one thing that I learned very quickly makes a huge difference is an entertainment lawyer because, and and this this surprised me, this never occurred to me going in, but actors want to do any decent role. Actors want to work. And we all give agents a hard time, but part of their job is to make sure that they don't get their actors connected to a project that either isn't going to go anywhere, isn't going to get completed, isn't going to ever see the light of day, whatever. And one of the ways to do that, or or that that their actor isn't going to get paid, which of course is the nightmare for any agent is that, you know, you get the actor in there and you do the project and they don't get paid. Um, so, one of the things that I learned very quickly is that if you can get a reputable entertainment lawyer on board who the agents know, that is huge. And that's something that really surprised me. So, in both movies, I worked with a guy named Jonathan Gray, who's here in New York, and he knows everybody. And it's also, he was able to help with everything from, you know, providing legitimacy to the project and getting agents willing to sign a contract with me to helping me uh, with advice when just small things go wrong as they always do on any project and just being able to tell me what my responsibility is and isn't. Um, So he was outstanding. He actually, Jonathan is very cool he actually started out editing movies before he went to law school and he is sort of the ultimate movie lover and he he likes nothing better than to help indie filmmakers and again it's one of those things that's going to that costs money but if you want to sign anyone who's not even an a list but a b or a c list actor you need somebody on your team who their agent knows and trusts mm-hmm. and that's where an entertainment lawyer can be a huge benefit.
0: Now are there any issues with sag do you have to be a sag production?
2: Yeah um yeah you're not going to yeah. get any kind of a name actor unless you're 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 casting as a sag um project. Now having said that we did surviving family on under the ultra low budget contract and i would absolutely recommend that it's yeah you have to deal with sag and you know i i respect the unions and their their need to protect their people and that's fantastic but one of the great things about the sag the ultra low low budget contract is that you don't have to have everybody as a SAG actor so if if you want to just have one or two actors maybe a name person and a supporting actor who are SAG actors and go no go um non-union the rest of the way you can do that Um, so that's a huge advantage to the SAG ultra low budget contract but you're not going to get any kind of a recognizable name unless you do some sort of a SAG contract. I can say that with absolute certainty.
0: That's interesting that you say that because I've heard different things about this. I've heard that, uh, that everybody on the production has to be SAG.
2: It depends on that contract. It depends on the contract. Once you get to now detours, we did on the next level up and on that one, Everybody has to be sag, unless you taft hartley them, which is basically getting an exemption for someone who's perfect for a given role. But under the ultra low budget contract, which goes up to two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars, you do not have to have everybody be sag, and that's great for somebody who's really just starting out as an indie producer.
0: Yeah. So so at this point, you've got your entertainment attorney and you've got a casting director. So as a producer. Uh, do you just let them take care of it, or is there something else you need to do?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I never just let anybody take care of it. Um, <laughs> hmm. No, it, it's not really. One of the everybody, well, the casting director is going to give you know if to the extent that the casting director is is calling people in to audition in person. And these days, of course, a lot of things are self tape. But once you get to a callback. You really want to see people in person and you often want to see combinations of people. Um, Either whether it's the producer or the director, if you're not also directing it yourself, someone one of those two people really needs to be in the room when you're doing callbacks to to look at people and make the decision because the casting director is going to give you recommendations but is not going to make the decisions and then even when you get to that point you have to decide you know what kind of pr- pay level you're willing to go to and whether what you're willing to offer is what that person needs to make the job work etc cetera, etc cetera. um so no you can't you can't just step back and let the casting agent do it it's <laughs> I, I wish um and the thing with, with the uh, the att- with the entertainment attorney the way i generally did it was i had him and or, or his you know number two or number three lawyer handle the contracts for the top few actors so any name actors and you know kind of next level down they did the contracts through the agents with the um smaller roles you can do basically a one sheet um agreement much shorter so on the lead actors they might have a seven eight nine page agreement much of its boilerplate but there still are things that, that get negotiated separately for each person and that the lawyers and the agents get closely involved with that. But on the, the smaller roles, it's really just like a one sheet um, that I got from the lawyer and from SAG um, yeah, that everybody just signs off on that, that's fairly standardized. So the lawyer handled any sort of negotiations, things like... Um, Billing. Who who gets top billing? Who gets second building, Who's the end? One of the things I learned is, you know, when you hear that list of of the lead actors in a movie, and it's it's Joe and Susie and Jane and blah 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 blah, blah. and you know John Smith. That end, John Smith, at the end is considered almost as good as being first. What you what you don't want to be is the guy in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's one of those negotiating things that the lawyer gets involved in um things like um crediums and you know all that kind of stuff i got into some wacky wacky arguments um with actors or their agents and ended up saying thank you but no thank you you're not going to get the role really because of some weird requests mm-hmm. that actors had. Um, or you know, And sometimes I had to get the lawyer involved with that because it would get to the point where we were 85% towards signing the contract and the actor or the agent, I don't know who to blame, um, would come up with a demand that was out of left field and absolutely I couldn't do it, you know, mm-hmm. whether it was physically impossible, financially, whatever it was, I would think, no, you know, no, 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 no. Because at a certain point they start to think they have you over a barrel yep. and you have to know when to say no. And then I would get the attorney involved in that. And I you know, there was one where I kind of were always describe it as you know it was attorneys at 20 paces you know my lawyer and their lawyer with their guns drawn facing each other in the okay corral <laughs> but but at the end of the day it all works out um, but that's that's the kind of thing where you re- it's really is important to have an entertainment lawyer um, if you possibly can but i always try to limit how much i was asking him to do um just to keep the fee reasonable uh, you know, not have him do every single contract I would have him do the contract for the director and the DP, but not for the camera assistants, you know, that kind of thing that that would be kind of the, you know, the line I would draw because if you have them do every single contract, then the pricing is just. Going to get out of control, but it. it, I found it was extremely helpful, and I could even just name drop him. It's like, oh well, I'll have my lawyer call you, Jonathan. You know Mm -hmm. John. Oh, I know (laughs) John. Where do I sign? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It it, it gave me a level of credibility that uh, that was pretty amazing. But and I will also just to throw him kudos in another sense, when we when we got a rough cut of Detours finished. I had the sense it was there was something that wasn't working, and I wasn't sure quite what it was. So I called Jonathan. I was asked him if he'd be willing to take a look at it, and he said sure. So a bunch of us went into his office at eight o'clock one night and ran ran it for him. And you know, and, and I was in panic mode. You're know, like, mm-hmm. okay, is how bad is this? I know something's wrong, but I don't know what it is. And at the end, he said, "It's all there. You have everything you need." but it's in the wrong order because I had basically had the editor do it in geographic order from New York down to Florida. Uh He said, you're, you're missing the emotional arc. You just need to rearrange it. And as soon as he said that the light bulb went off in my head and I knew exactly how I was going to change it. Mm -hmm. Um, he, nobody there must've been 20 of us who looked at it and nobody knew that. So just the fact that, you know, he's been doing this for so many years, yeah, He could tell me in 30 seconds what nobody else had been able to tell me in two months. Mm-hmm. And we went back and we, we cut it and it works far, far better now, even though there are scenes of South Carolina that show up before North Carolina, <laughs> but nobody cares.
1: Yeah. Nobody's going to know that unless uh, they're from that area.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And then they're going to feel like they're on the, in the know because they, they realized something that other people don't. So. Yep.
0: Exactly. Uh, So when you obviously have to have enough to pay the the lawyer and the casting director, uh, but do you have to have uh, the financing in place before you approach these star actors and their agents or.
2: It's easier if you do. Yeah, it's not an absolutely essential thing if you can um, come in with a good enough story and a good enough game plan. And also if you have a movie or two under your belt. It will always make it easier if you do. But you can end up in that infinite loop where the people with the with the money want to see the store attachments and <laughs> the store attachments want to see the, the money. Um you know, if you can get people to kind of give you a contingent promise that they will finance it if you can get, you know, A, B, or C, and then you go to A, B, or C, you've got something to show them. Um Other than that, I would kind of go back to the idea that use your contacts, because Mm -hmm. if there's somebody in the movie producing the movie, developing the movie who they know and have worked with and who they have confidence in, people are willing to make take more of a flyer. Also, the other thing that I would emphasize is if the bigger as if you're making a small movie and I'm going to say like under five million dollars, um, it's going to be a heck of a lot easier if you're not trying to get the name actor or actors as the leads in the movie, because if you have to get the, you're going to be talking so much money that it's liable to take up half of your budget. But beyond that, it's the number of days you're going to need them and trying to work around their schedule If they're, if they get an offer for, you know, even for a supporting role in a $200 million movie and you're offering them the lead in a $2 million movie, you know, the, the odds are good that they're going to turn you down no matter how much they love your movie. But if you can write them a role where it's two or three days and they are the absolute focus of those two or three days, um, you're going to get much more bang for your buck and you're more likely to get them to agree to that and you know my example of that is always phyllis somerville who is in both of my movies but is particularly wonderful in surviving family where she plays um character aunt mary who's like the truth teller in the story and when i I really wanted her from the beginning for that role and she's a fabulous actress who's been in things like little children she's going to be in um to a mockingbird on broadway over the next couple months um and she told I, we, the role was going to take two days to shoot and her agent told me that i could have any two days but once i picked those two days i couldn't change them and if you've ever made an indie film you know that everything always changes (laughs) Um, and so i put her the last two days that we were going to shoot anything because i figured look we'll just we'll just plop her in there and you know what if something else gets pushed back it gets pushed back but that's that's when we're going to do her and it worked but if i had needed to get her for 10 days or 12 days and i Honestly, I would love to do that. It would have been very difficult because she's got all these other things that she's doing. And besides the fact that it would cost have cost me 10 times as much, just to try and get somebody's schedule where they're that they're willing to give you that much time for an indie movie is a real push. Because it's not just a question of what you're paying them. It's what somebody else would pay them for those days. And even just opportunity cost. So, you know, to get back to your original question, it certainly is going to be a lot easier if you have the money lined up, but also tell them, you know, that it's going to be only a few days, but those days are going to be theirs. They're going to shine beautifully on those days. And, you know, they're going to have the best, it's going to be a great scene that just totally focuses on them. And if I can add one other thing, and I know you're kind of getting to the, end of your time here. The other thing that that's really helpful is if you can offer an actor, a name actor, um, something that's different from how they usually get cast. So you that's get somebody who usually plays a heavy, offer them something lighter. If somebody always plays comedy, see if they want to be a hitman. Um, because so many actors get typecast and they do it because they accept it because it's good for their career. I have found that so many actors are really itching to do something different. Um, And one of the actors with whom we did that in Detours is Michael Cerveris, who won a Tony Award for Fun Home on Broadway and plays a lot of evil guys in Amazon series and Netflix series. And we offered him a romantic role. Mm -hmm. And it was he was delighted to do it because he never gets put, gets cast as a as a romantic guy. And uh, he was exactly the guy who we wanted for the role. And we, you know, and that was our pitch, was this is not what you normally get. You can do something a little bit different. It's just a one-day shoot. And he loved doing it, and we loved having it. And it's not that easy to get a Tony Award-winning actor in a in a low-budget movie.
0: I noticed uh, that you have a new thriller in the works. Is there anything you can tell us about that, or is that still secret?
2: <laughs> it's This is um, – This is a work for hire project um, and I've signed an NDA um, and I really love it. And I wish I could talk about it and I'm hoping I'll get to to talk about it. They did attach a producer to it recently. So I'm very excited uh, and, and he's going, reaching out to some directors. So I'm really hoping that this is going to take off. So when, uh, when I can talk about it, I will tell you.
1: Okay. We'll have you on.
2: This is purely a screenwriting gig for me, which is fun because that, that means I don't have to, that means I don't have to worry about where the money comes from.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I have a screenwriting question for you. Um, if you, if you still got time, but, uh, uh, when you were, you were talking about when you're writing your script and and you chose Billy as your actor, you were like, he's the perfect guy, but yeah, who did you write that character like they say, write a character uh, with an actor in mind. How did you write that character? I
2: think I, you know, the thriller that I'm working on, I did. I I do have an actor in mind, and I'm fantasizing that they'll actually get him in this case i didn't to be honest um he the character was modeled on a few people who i know okay um so it was it was modeled around real people uh, you know a combination of several people who are romantic interests of different people who i know but was not um but was not modeled on an actor okay which, which is what made it such a pleasure when I saw when I saw his tape, I was like, that's the guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because It was like, you know, it, that's such a weird feeling um, when you've written a character and without having somebody in mind and you see them, it's like, oh, yes, right there. That's the one. Yeah, um, And then you don't want to compromise.
0: Nice. And he brought it to life for you.
2: He really did. He really did. It was a pleasure.
0: But Mara, this has been great. We we should have you back um, more times because there's so many time. more things we could talk about.
1: We we love having you.
2: On. I and I really enjoy talking to you guys.
0: So that's our show for today and we wanna thank Mara for joining us. Um, great interview. Thank you, um, Mara. Tweet us at Borges Film or email info at borgas.com. We're on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe and give us a star rating on iTunes. Be the first or be the second. Be the third. <laughs> yes. Get your friends to be the second. Get Real Indie Filmmakers is created by Forrest A. Jr., also the host of Rolling Tape on YouTube. And
1: Jeffrey Michael Bayes, who is the author of Between the Scenes, what every film director, writer, and editor should know. But usually doesn't. Scene yep. <laughs> About scene transitions. In, you know, people are people. well, I throw a dissolve, I throw a cut. There's more to it than that. Right, Jeffrey? Yeah. So much yeah. more. Yeah. And Jeffrey wrote Suspense with a Camera, a filmmaker's guide to Hitchcock's techniques.
0: We'll see you next week. The Get Real Indie Filmcast is a production of
1: Borges Networks 2018.